we're going for sure this time. Yeah, we're going for sure. Are you sure you're not just fucking with me? I'm sure. I'm sure. Welcome back to the Poptimist. I am Taylor Berryman. You can find me on Instagram as the underscore Poptimist or on Facebook as just Taylor Berryman. Like and subscribe to the show. Tell a friend. Feel free to shoot me an email at thepoptimistpodcast at gmail.com. Today I want to talk about Pete Rose Millhouse. I want to talk about Pete Rose. A.K.A. Charlie Hustle. We were talking about him a little bit. What, what did I tell you about Pete Rose? He, you told me that he always ran the first. Even when he got walked. Even when he got walked. He would run full speed to first base. Yes. And people hated him when he was a rookie in spring training. Yeah, but Because he would run full speed. That's how they gave him the name Charlie Hustle. Because it's not necessary. And Charlie Hustle's kind of like, it's not like offensive, but it's like a, it's a it's shot It's derogatory. Yeah. It's meant as like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he didn't have to do that, but he did it anyway. Why do you think he did it? Because you got to put 100% of whatever you're, you know, all your effort into whatever you're doing. Correct, yeah. And even if it's not necessary. He's a very controversial figure in baseball, but I feel his life story is something that anybody can relate to. He won a couple of World Series with the Reds. I think he won one with the Phillies. He's the all-time hit king. He's number one by a mile. The next closest player to him is Albert Pujols. Yeah. That's still playing. For the Angels. For the Angels, yes. He plays for the Angels. Um, but, yeah, he, he just has a great story. You know, of course, what everybody knows him for is he got banned from baseball for gambling on himself. Yep. For gam- When he was a player manager, he would place bets on the Reds to win. And there was days he, he said – this is what he says. He said he never bet on himself to lose. And he never, if he thought they were going to lose that day, he just wouldn't bet. And baseball fans, other major leaguers that were his teammates that he was close to, even they give him shit about it. So ex- explain to me something. Why is, if you're a manager, and I actually don't know this, why is it if you're a manager, you're not allowed to bet on yourself? Are you allowed to bet at all? Are you allowed to bet on other teams? I, don't, I know you're not allowed to bet on baseball if you're playing baseball. And that's due to, I think it was uh, the 1908 Black Sox scandal. Do you ever hear about that? I've heard that before, but I don't know what it's about. I don't know what the year was, but it was in the early 1900s. And there was this team, the Black Sox, and players got paid off to throw the game. Oh, so they could rig a game. So they could rig a it's game. to keep it from rigging the games. But I don't think that's what happened with Pete Rose. I think he was a junkie who was so used to winning. And the adrenaline was so high that he got bored with it. The, the, yeah, the adrenaline of betting on yourself. Yeah. I mean, it, at least you're betting on yourself to win. Yes, I agree. I mean, it was it right for him to do that? No, but I can't fault a man for that. I can't no, hold it against him. I don't, I don't know. Part of me doesn't see it as a problem. But I can see how it would be as far as rigging the game. He, sh- he shouldn't have done it. I do agree with that. But they refused to put him in the Hall of Fame because of that. That, like he's banned from baseball for life, and he Every, didn't take steroids or anything. He didn't take, this and he's is still the hit king. This is oh. what's fucked up, dude. This is what's fucked up because there's there's players like so Barry Bonds was eligible for the Hall of Fame. No one got into the Hall of Fame this year, um, because no one got enough votes. Barry Bonds got seventy three percent of the votes, which you need seventy five to make the Hall of Fame. So there's controversy around that because it's like if there's any players that are in the Hall of Fame. And they've either done steroids or other seedy shit, and Pete Rose is still not in there. 
Yeah. And they interviewed Johnny Bench, who is his teammate, who is a Hall of Famer. And he said, uh, what kind of example does it set for kids? And it's like there's guys literally jabbing needles in their asses to, so they can get swole yeah. Yeah. to hit home runs. What kind of example does that set for kids? I just think it's really hypocritical. It, it definitely is. So in the, in the Baseball Hall of Fame, there's, there's guys in there that have done steroids. I don't know 100% for sure if any of them have done steroids. Mm-hmm, but it's suspected. I don't know who has made it in. I know, like, Derek Jeter got in. I don't think he ever did steroids. No. He's um, retired now. Yeah, he's retired. Yeah, he, he owns the Marlins. But that's here nor there. What I want to talk about is Pete Rose's approach to life. And Charlie Hustle. And Charlie Hustle and the whole mentality. Because recently you experienced some betrayal and some disappointment. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been disappointed lately. Some things have got me down, you know. But... I got to keep moving. You got to keep, keep moving. Now, there was a time last year when I, I wasn't moving at all. I remember. And, and everybody was mad at me because I wasn't moving at everybody all. Was <laughs> everybody was mad Josh, everybody. So, I mean, like, yeah, like I kind of hit a point recently where I was like, you know, just not trying hard enough. And uh, I learned something, though. I learned something, though, that I find important. It's shoot first or get shot. That is a good approach, a good approach. I, I think for myself, I'm inclined, especially when I was younger, to shoot first and ask questions later. Yeah. But that's not always the right method either. No, no, but in the sense of like what we're talking about, so like with like relationships or with girls or anything, you got to just strike out. And if you strike out, you strike out. Yes, and Which this is different for you because you didn't have that approach before. No, I didn't. I didn't have that at all. And I wouldn't say that I've had that approach up until now. And honestly, it's working out. Well, what changed? Uh, I'm tired of losing. <laughs> tired of being a loser, dude. It, and the reason that I have been a loser is because I don't I don't shoot first. I wait to get shot, you know, and you can only do that for so long before eventually you're like. I need to change something. Until no progress is made. Until Yeah, until no progress is made and you're walking backwards instead of forwards. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for the longest time, especially last year, I was just walking backwards. You know? You know, like, the conversations I've had with Zach. And, oh, yeah, and, you, and with me. And with you, you know? It's like I, I was always taking steps backwards. Well, it wasn't even that. The reason that we got so mad at you was because... We all knew that you were capable of better. Yeah. That's what was so frustrating. I could tell you just had this glazed over look. Yeah. Like you'd been stunned by life and you didn't know what to do. So that's when I kind of got crazy with you. Dude, I needed it. I needed to get, you know, I needed you to be crazy with me. I was sinking. I was a sinking ship, you know. I've been there, dude. I've definitely been there. I remember when I first moved back from Colorado when I moved back to Maine from Colorado, I was there for a year. I was going through a breakup with a girl that cheated on me. I was heartbroken. Yeah. It was horrible. It was the most horrible, one of the most horrible times of my adult life. I was 21, maybe 22. And I didn't know which way it was up or down. I moved back in with my parents. Yeah. I didn't know what I was going to do. I got a job working at fucking Staples. But... I just kept working at Staples, kept the dream alive for music, for all that shit. And eventually I got a job working at BEK, mm-hmm. 
which was a place in my hometown in Brunswick. It was an IT company. Yeah. So I started off there as an IT intern. I was like, I'm going to get my foot in the door because I knew I didn't want to work at Staples forever. I was like, I'll do IT as a way to make money, which is funny to think about because I'm horrible at that (laughs) shit. Dude. I was like, I can learn now. So I start working there. I was an intern for maybe six months, nine months, something like that. Just helping out, going on IT calls to like Mm -hmm. dental offices. Yeah. Places like that. buildings, yeah. Exactly. And eventually... They told me, um, we want you to do sales. We're going to start doing sales here. And they already had a printer salesman and his name was Kevin. We went, um, I remember the first day I went to go sell printers to cold call and they're like big office printers. You know what I mean? Like the fine, the kind you find in a, uh, an office, they're industrial sized fucking printers to, for people to use companies to use. And I remember we went around and we had like this, I don't know what kind of, it was some kind of Ford, you know, like one of those work vans, Yeah. but it was one of the nice ones. Mm-hmm. And we just drove around, we went and we got lunch and I was like, sales is awesome. Yeah. You just go in there and you talk to the people, you try and get them to uh, give you a meeting. No one ever, dude, no one ever wants to talk to a printer salesman. Oh Yeah. No one ever wants to talk to a salesman in general. If they no. know you're a salesman, they cut it. So I was striking out a lot. I made one good sale. I made one good sale. It was for this client that I kept going to as an intern. And they asked me to do the sale. I went. We did it. He took all the services and the shit that I recommended. Got back to the office. And there was this guy there. His name was Jim McCarthy. So this is my first sale. I just finally sold something, you know, that they were pretty lenient with me too. Cause they knew I was young. I was like the youngest person in the office by like six or seven years. <laughs> yeah. How old were you at the time? Maybe 23 at the time. Like this was my last year in Maine before yeah. I moved to Nashville and we go into the room and this guy, he gives a, this guy, Jim, he gives a speech about sales he starts finding out information about us starts talking to us i didn't know any of this was going to happen yeah because he's a business consultant and i just remember that every friday we would have these sales meetings and we would go in the the room we had like this conference room and we would go in there and i would have to go over all the cold calls i made this week who i had meetings with what i had sales wise like, what was in my pipeline, basically? How close am I to making this sale happen? Yeah. And I learned so fucking much because all I did was strike out. Yeah. I don't even remember. I might have gotten a small handful of sales in this time period. It was enough for them to still have hope in me and, yeah. and try to teach me because they knew I was young. I didn't know anything, you know? Um, and they just taught me shit like, uh, you know, not screaming at people, <laughs> talking quiet or shit like that because I was a loud mouth. I was a loud mouth. I interrupted all the time. I didn't really listen. Mm-hmm. So we started doing cold calls. And I remember this one time where we were doing cold calls and Jim, he took the phone and he put it on the desk. He's like, make a call right now. And I'm like, I don't know this person. What am I supposed to do? He's like, doesn't matter. And he's like, he, he did this thing called the sticky note method where 
he walked out. He closed the conference door behind him. There were glass doors. I saw he went to the receptionist. He got a sticky note from her, and he wrote this lady's name and number down on it who worked, I don't know, let's say at a dental office or some shit yeah. like that, or a veterinarian. You know, Those, those were mainly our, the kind of clients we had. And I, he said, doesn't matter if you have a, a, her name or number, say that you have a sticky note with her name and number on it and ask her what she was calling you for. <laughs> so I do it and it always confuses the fuck out of people when you just call and you're like, hey, I have your, your name and number here on a sticky note. What's up? What can I help you out with? <laughs> That's weird, dude. It's weird, dude. But you know what? It got me meetings. Yeah. It fucking worked. Because eventually they're going to forget all about that, you know, and when I came down to Nashville, I was working for this horrible logistics company. I won't mention the name of it, but they're based out of Cincinnati. They were very, very corrupt. And I remember I tried the sticky note method and they got so mad at me. They were like, don't do that. I was like, fuck you. This is what, what I was trained to do. But we'll go back to, to talking about BEK in my beginning of a, as, yeah. as a salesman. And I wouldn't trade that time for anything in the world, dude, because those, those like high, highlight reel of strikeouts, those were some of my greatest strikeouts. I lost that company clients <laughs> by being too aggressive. Clients they already had that no longer wanted to fuck with them because of me. Really? Oh, yeah. It's interesting that you say that because I've kind of had the opposite experience. Uh, me and you are the complete opposite on this. Um, I lost clients when I was in sales because I wasn't aggressive enough. I was too soft. And I was told I was too soft and I'd get butt hurt about it, go home and cry about it. You know, and, and the manager that I had at the time, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name drop I know him, who you're talking about. But honestly, I respect him. I've changed my mind about him. Why do you respect him? Because at the time I thought he was just being a dick to me, but he was trying to teach me not to be as soft as I was. And when I first moved here, fresh out of high school, you know, I hadn't done anything. Yeah. You know, that was my first ex experience. And he was teaching me that not everybody in life's going to be nice to you. And not everybody's going to certainly like you. And I value, yep. I value everything that he has told me and for the good or the bad, like, yes, I got fired from that job, but it, it definitely, I think that, it helped me a lot. Maybe his methods weren't always the best, but his yeah. meth like yeah, he would throw shit at his me. His <laughs> message was good. Yeah, which is no one gives a fuck about you. Yeah, you have to go out there and take it. Yeah, I've told you this before, but he used to take me in his office and uh, make me watch scenes from Wolf of Wall Street to t try to make me a better salesman. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which scenes did he show you? He uh he uh you know that the pump up speech where he's like he's pumping them up, getting them hyped to make sales. Yeah. Um, they're in the office building at this point. He's like making tons of money. He would always make me watch that scene. And for every day for like two weeks, first thing that we would do is go in there and watch that scene together. And he would try to inspire me to be more assertive on my sales. And at the time it didn't get across to me. It didn't get, none of it got across to me what he was trying to teach me until it was too late. But if I could go back now, if I could go back now, uh, exactly. I, I would know what I was doing. My boss, his name was Gil at BEK. Mm -hmm. He was a former Navy admiral. And he was a good man. He's the, the greatest leader I've ever met in my entire life because he truly cared about his team. A lot of the guys that I worked with, too, it was a, a former military town because the base that was there, 
shut down. Yeah. So it was all these guys that were still there that were retired from the Navy. And Gil was one of them. When he retired, he stayed in Brunswick. He had three daughters, uh, Bonnie, Aaron, and Kayla, which is where the name BEK came from. And I was terrified of this man. <laughs> he was very intimidating. Very intimidating. Terrified, dude. But he was... Every time that he would scare me, it, it, like it, I don't even know if he was trying to intentionally do it, but everything that he did... I, I didn't realize how important it was until after I moved to Nashville. Yeah. Dude, it's it's interesting to like look back at stuff like that. You know, at times that you literally hated somebody or times that, you know, you were intimidated by well, somebody. Well, I'll say this. I never hated him. Yeah. I always liked him very much. Yeah. He was very good to me. But it is funny to look back in retrospect and realize, oh, this is what he, he was trying to instill something in me, yeah. trying to teach me something and it's just now clicking yeah i mean it, it really clicked after i got here and i had other jobs and i saw they didn't give a fuck about me yeah and they didn't give a fuck about me as a person yeah. and he did as did jim mccarthy jim mccarthy the business yeah. consultant um they both were teaching me different things jim mm -hmm. noticed i was definitely a salesman he noticed right away i think uh just because i, I have an outgoing personality i'm i'm willing to strike out i'm I'm willing to do crazy shit. I'm willing to do it. I have no problem doing it. But there was always collateral damage in everything I did. Yeah. It was never clean. Mm -hmm. And we've been in situations either in business, life, mm -hmm. or whatever, you and I together, where you've seen me taking uh, a careful approach, even though that's not always my first instinct. Because yeah. my first instinct is to it's... rip out the throat of whatever <laughs> it is I'm fighting yeah. and drink their blood. That it, it's funny you say that because like yeah I definitely see that and I'm always kind of the middle ground for whatever that situation is yeah absolutely like like let's let's hold back for a minute but if I would have been 21 yeah wouldn't have happened it, yeah. I would have gone in for the kill which when you go in for the kill like that half the time you don't you don't end up winning mm -hmm. it's it like I operate in my life over total brute strength yes you know what i mean maybe yes. not unlike pete rose in the way that he did things yeah but it just got so crazy and it got to this point to where i realized i liked business a lot i enjoy it but it's almost more of like business is my hobby and the music is my career yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah i could definitely see that you're a good salesman for sure like that as far as like business goes you you do good you know I, I'm too passive. I'm too passive as of right now. You know, you can change that though. Oh yeah, and Dude, I, I see that now. So I'll give you another another story of when I was working yeah. at BEK. So I went to this company, mm -hmm. and the guy he was also a total brute, but he was a lot older than me, and I was selling him a couple of things: a server, yeah. some data storage, something like that. And I was not going to leave that building. I was not going to leave this meeting unless he gave me his budget. And he was getting mad that I was asking such direct questions. I, I, I didn't shy away from it, especially back then. Yeah. I didn't have enough social grace to do so. <laughs> so 
I was asking him all these direct questions, like what his plan was with the technology, yada, yada, yada. And he was feeling very insulted by me. And he said, I don't think I like you. I want to punch you in the face right now. Oh my gosh. And I was terrified because this guy was twice my size. Okay. <laughs> Imagine how skinny I am now. Yeah. Imagine me at fucking 22 years old. Yeah. I was shaking in my boots. What'd you do? I was pissed. <laughs> so I just puffed my chest out and was like, I'm not going to be talked to this way. And I got up and walked out. And when I did that, he came down and he said, wait, 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 sit down. Let's talk. So it was 50, 50 with me, whether I just would have walked out the building or sat down to talk, but this day, for whatever reason, I was like, I'm going to sit down and talk to him. So we talked, ended up getting the sale. Everything went great. Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just so many situations that I've been in and not only that, but like cold calling and going in, you know, like talking to fucking dental assistants. They don't want to fucking talk to me. The average age in Maine is 52 or some shit. That's the median age. Wow. So they have a lot of older people. So there was this young kid coming in talking about technology. And I was always very insecure about my age because of that. Because I was always the youngest person in the room. Especially for Chamber of Commerce events. Things of that nature. And... I, I just look back on it now where now I'm older, you know, I'm not, not that young anymore. And I remember I would voice to them. I'm like, I don't think these people respect me because I'm young. And they'll be like, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. They would just say shit like that to me. Like, keep going, keep trying, don't give up. And I was just so intimidated, you know, most of the time because all these old, old people who I viewed as old people. Yeah. They just didn't give a shit. It, it's interesting that you say that. Uh, one thing that my manager told me that relates to that is that when you're young, you reek of fear. And if you can mask that smell of fear, because older people can sense that. Oh, yeah. They can smell that that fear on you. If you can mask that, you can be a part of anything. And or you can sell anything to anyone. That's great fucking advice. If you can, if you can mask that, I know. And I, I gave him so much shit, you know, but that is, that's one thing that I took away from that is that if you can mask that, that smell of fear, you can become part of anything. You can sell anything. So. Absolutely, dude. Uh, That's what they were trying to instill in me. Yeah. And I was too dumb to realize. I, I also have this memory of going down to Saco to this business lunch that Jim invited me to. It was a business networking group. I was stressed out getting there. I got there late. Wasn't on time. I was freaking out. Again, I was the youngest person by at least 10 years in this situation. Everybody was 30s, 40s. They were there for business networking. Jim asked me if I had any business cards. We were sitting at the table because everybody was passing out business cards. It was like, that's what they did right at the beginning. I didn't have any. Oh, and everybody just looked at me. Oh, I didn't know what to do or what to say. I was ashamed, defeated. Yeah, I, I've I've been there. I've I've been there when I when I when I smell smell a fear, you know. Oh yeah. When I've been intimidated, uh, he used to tell me I smell like a bitch. <laughs> I've I've uh, I've smelled that scent on you a few times before. Yes, <laughs> it would. 
he would uh, bring me in his office and be like, you smell like a bitch today. <laughs> so like, yeah, I've been there, dude, when I've just been intimidated by like older people that know more than me or have more experience or, you know, I'm in a room full of musicians that are all better than me. You know, it's, it's difficult to mask that scent of fear. When I first moved to Nashville and getting involved in like the local scene here, I was definitely intimidated at carriage jams. Mm -hmm. I always had in my head, and maybe this was just insecurity. I always had in my head that I didn't really feel like a musician. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because everyone wants to, they want to get hammered. They want to smoke weed, all this shit. I only got drunk at a jam once and I played like garbage. Yeah. And I was always just very intimidated by the other musicians because I just behaved dif- differently, you know, and that's not a slight to them, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm way more into like the business and I'm like a type A personality. I, I like all that shit, you know, I, I like being aggressive in life. Yeah. And it would turn a lot of people off for me, especially when I was younger. Now I'm more secure in who I am, so it doesn't really bother me if someone doesn't give a fuck, you know? Yeah. It's more of a reflection of them than it is of me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I. It was a hard pill for me to swallow that, you know, not everybody's going to like me. Like, you know, I can't make everybody like me. And that, you know, some people just aren't. And um, I, I, wish that, I wish that I was more assertive like you are. You know, and had that type A personality. Well, I just, I'm, you know, part of it is never been like that to blind stupidity, though. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost ignorance that I am that way. I, I, it's good that I am that way. But like I was saying, when, when I was younger, it did not serve me. It, It made me take big chances. Like I moved across country to Colorado, not really knowing anyone. Yeah, I moved to Nashville, not knowing anyone. Yeah. And just showed up and grabbed my nuts and said, I'm here. <laughs> Let me in. Yeah, that, that's some big chances. Uh, I feel like I had, to, I had to force myself. You know, It wasn't really about like taking a big chance. It was like, this is what I have to do if I want any shot at anything. But that's the Charlie Hustle mentality, though. It's yeah. forcing yourself even yeah. if, when you don't want to fucking do it. Yeah, yeah you got you to gotta hustle the first. If you're going to play in the big leagues, yeah, you got to hustle every time. It doesn't matter if you're grounding out to second. He might make a throwing error, and you could get there on time. And, and it doesn't matter how good you are. You still got to hustle. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're the best guitarist in the world. You still got to hustle. Isaac just texted me. I'm going to call him and see if he's... All right. All right. Let's see if he, if he answers. I don't know if we'll answer. He he might not. It always depends with him. (laughs) Have you heard his voicemail before? No. Sorry, we weren't able to take your call. Please leave a message after the beep and be sure to have a funky, funky. <laughs> I love that. 
What's up, Isaac? It's Taylor. I'm recording an episode of The Poptimist right now. I was just calling to see if you had any good stories about striking out, but give me a call back whenever you hear this. I'll talk to you soon. Dude, I love their voicemail. I know. That's so great. It's definitely them, you know. By the way, The Weird Sisters just released a new single. I listened to it. It's a cover of Going Down by Freddie King. Go check it out. It's all on major streaming platforms. Anywhere where there's music, you can find it. Which brings me to my next point. We're about to play a new song by... Cerebral Cortex. Where'd you record the song at? We recorded it at Trashman Studios. Where's it at? Uh, It's in Pleasant View, Tennessee, next to Springfield. It's about 30 minutes out of Nashville. Uh, 30 or 40, depending on where you're at. Um, We recorded it a few months ago. Uh, I play piano on it, and uh, Cerebral's brother played drums on it. And uh, we had a good time making it. And uh, I mixed it, and uh, he put it out yesterday. came out yesterday. So... Congrats to him on his release and uh, the advert. You got to check out the advertisement for it. it's funny. What's his Instagram? Uh, it's I think it's just Cerebral Cortex. Let me let me make sure. But um, yeah, it's on. I think we shouted it out on the studio page, which is uh, at Trashman Studios. Yeah, it's uh, Cerebral Cortex Hip Hop. That's his Instagram name. And what's the studio's Instagram? Uh, Trashman Studios. I've had the pleasure of going to Trashman a few times. It's a very nice place. Gerard has really put something cool together. Yeah. You've been working there a lot. Yeah. We're going to be recording there with Josh Norfleet in a couple of weeks. Yes. So we'll have more updates on that. Uh, what's the name of this song we're about to play? Um, it is... I, <laughs> he changed the name of it last minute. Um, it's is an open letter to everybody yeah, I hate? It's No, it's a... Yeah. Yeah, an open letter to everyone I hate. Okay. It, originally, the fuck you track was what he was just going to call it, but it's an open letter to everyone I hate, which I love that name. Cool. So here it is. Yeah. I'm putting this one out to everyone that I hate. 2000s with this one, y'all. I hope everything bad happens to you this worldly possible. I fucking hate you. You're fucking trash, and you don't even know it. Or maybe you do. I don't know. You're a piece of fucking garbage That's why I threw you away If you apologize tomorrow I'd still hate you today Fuck your family and your friends I'd watch you drown in a lake You're not special Cause there's tons of people I fucking hate You're a piece of fucking garbage Real slow in a train collision Or win a brand new car But then lose your vision Lose your hearing Then get shot by the cops Cause you failed to listen Get stabbed by an angry electrician A HVAC technician You could drown in my pot to piss in I hope that you get a cock incision They can't fix with stitches My goal is go from rags to riches Buy a lien on your house And then get you evicted There's no limit to the things I wanna see happen to you I'd like to see you get impaled By a Canadian caribou Or have a science lab create a 
pterodactyl from some goo Only to have it escape and then fly away with you I'd like to see you get crushed by ten tons of irony And have a cell tower fall on you to teach you to spy on me You could get taken out with the trash Cause that's where you belong You couldn't do me any right Cause everything you do is You're wrong a piece of fucking garbage That's why I threw you away You apologize tomorrow I still hate you today Fuck your family and your friends I watch you drown in a lake You're not special I got a lot of fucked up shit I want to see happen to you. Cause you're a piece of shit. I hope you pass art school and get your hands amputated. Hope you try motocross but the ramp gets deflated. Hope you get a raise at work then new taxes get instated. Hope you find true love but then you find out you're related. I want to see you get suffocated by a sand dune. Or get stabbed by a homeless dude with a sharp spoon. I want to watch you get cooked alive by a cannibal that keeps trying to light you up with fluid that's non-flammable. You can fall off a skyscraper on Instagram live. Break every bone in your body and then barely survive. Spend your time in a chair watching and life passed you by But the fall broke your tear ducts And you can't even cry You could take a trip to Israel And beg for your life As terrorists decapitate your son and your wife You could be trapped in your house As it starts to ignite Anything bad that happens to you Is a great You're sight a Fuck piece you. of fucking garbage why I threw you away You apologize tomorrow I still hate you today Fuck your family Special cause there's tons of people I fucking hate Stupid fucking piece of shit How dare you show up to the same spot I'm at Motherfucker, you know I hate you You ready to fucking die? You ready to die, bitch? Why you gonna diss every single thing I do And judge everything I do Why can't I bring hummus inside the house? Okay, and that was the song, and now we were about to do the news. We got some good news stories, Millhouse. We do. We have some good news. Let me do the the first one I sent you. All right. Oh yeah, I'll, I I read this. It's shocking. Yeah. Um. Hang on, it's loading. Dead air. <clears throat> yeah, dead air. Um. He horrifically abused me for years. Ever okay. Who? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm reading. I'm reading. Evan Rachel Wood and other women make allegations of abuse against Marilyn Manson. Not surprising. Yeah. Fuck Marilyn Manson. I've never liked him. The girl that cheated on me when I was in Colorado, huge Marilyn Manson fan. That year for Christmas, I bought her a signed Marilyn Manson poster. Never again. Fuck Marilyn Manson. Is that the one that was in the Air Force? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one. Uh, Yeah, he's a weird dude. So what are the allegations against him? Um, Apparently several women have came forward. The name of my abuser is Brian Warner, also known to the world as Marilyn Manson. Wood wrote, he started grooming me when I was a teenager and horrifically abused me for years. And it basically, the article, I read it when you sent it to me, it was talking about her. She was brainwashed by him. And he manipulated her into thinking that what he was doing was okay. Does she have any details of what happened, what he did, what um, he said? Let's see. No, but other four other women came out. So that was Look up other. to see uh, what the allegations are on Google real quick. All right. Yeah, I've never liked Marilyn Manson. I've always thought he's weird. He, oh. He's just like the, the, those kind of like shock artists. Yeah. They have such a short shelf life. They just represent whatever their time is. Yeah. So it says uh, Manson quoted saying about her, um, I have fantasies every day about smashing her skull in with a sledgehammer. Did he say this recently or this? This, this was in 2009. So I, not that recent, but he was saying it about... Her, but to me that when did they date? When she was a teenager. Um, she's now thirty three, so whenever a long time a long ago. time ago. So it was about about probably two thousand nine. Yeah. If she's thirty three now. Yeah. Yeah, they Wood and Manson were engaged in two thousand ten before breaking up. So they got engaged after that. Some of the things I read about this situation is that he would abuse her and like tie her up and force her into sex. Yeah. Allegedly. And also he would um, threaten to kill himself. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, threaten to kill himself if whenever she said she wanted to leave him and she cut, he cut her off from her family, just shit like that. Just really abusive, controlling, manipulative shit. Yeah. She says she has PTSD and from it and you know, I imagine so. Definitely. Yeah. I feel bad for this woman. You know, I mean, imagine being uh, a young woman and this guy who's a rock star, the pinnacle of success, one of the pinnacles of success in America, and he is a fucking rapey, druggy, user, loser. You know what I mean? Yeah, but he's a celebrity, so it's like nobody believes, you know. Look at Bill Cosby. That is true. That is true. Which Bill Cosby has the had the opposite image of Marilyn Manson. Yeah, he was the nice comedian. Yeah, you know? but his name's you know. Oh yeah, he's he's gone. He's, he's done for. He's dude. done for forever. Oh yeah. And Louis C.K. came back somehow, but Louis C.K. came back. Like here's the thing that people, and I think this really shows that, like fans can differ it differentiate yeah what's going on because it's like louis what he did was wrong yes you can compare it to pete rose what pete rose did was wrong yes different different situations Very different um but louis i imagine louis was probably some kind of sex addict from what it sounds like he had yeah. some deeper issues yeah and probably got over this issues by the time this shit came out 
So I'm not excusing what he did, and I'm not saying it's right. But people can at least look at Louie and be like, well, Louie never fucking raped anyone. He never drugged anyone. Yeah. You know, again, not saying what he did was right, like jerking off in front of girls. I mean, he, I guess he said he, uh, he always asked. Yeah. And his new stand up special, his opening joke was something to the effect like, uh, if you ever ask a girl to jerk off in front of her and she says yes, don't do it. <laughs> Which is very Louis. It's fucked that he says it, but it's like it's it's he's open about it. Yeah, now. it's like you know he admitted to it. He's not he trying to hide to anything. He owned it. I mean, it, it's not good, but no, he owned it's, it. It's not good, but he owned it. But someone like Marilyn Manson, he's gonna he's not gonna own it. He's gonna deny. It. He's gonna yeah. It's like that Army Hammer situation we were talking yeah, about, where he's yeah, he has like a cannibal yeah. Fetish. A cannibal fetish. That's what this guy's saying. He's imagining smashing her head in with a sledgehammer. That's and that shit to me is always about power and control, and that's what's fucked up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, yeah. Apparently, it was very manipulative, brainwashing. Mm-hmm. I've known people like that. I mean, it's a rough. I've dated rough. a few like that. Yeah, same. Okay, what's the next story? Um, <clears throat> Dave Portnoy. From Barstool Sports. And Steve Cohen gets snippy over Thursday's trading halts. So Steve Cohen is the new owner for the Mets. He just took them over. Yes. And there's been two scandals since he's already taken over. The first one was their GM. I can't remember what his name is. Jared Porter, maybe? Mm -hmm. He got fired due to allegations of being a creep. He sent 62 text messages to a girl, something like that. She didn't answer. And one of the ones he sent, uh, pic- uh, messages he sent was pictures of his dick. Oh. And she never responded to any of his messages. Oh, dang. Yeah. Apparently, this has to do with stocks, too. Yeah. The whole fucking thing that's happening with Wall Street bets and Reddit. He's been sharing inside information about Dave the Portnoy has, yeah. yes. Dave Port- yeah, he's been sharing inside information. He's been giving people tips. Yeah. He's trending on Twitter, I think, right now. They They... The hashtag is like Davy Day Trader or something like that. <laughs> but he is all for this because basically Steve Cohen is like a hedge fund guy. Yes. So he uh, allegedly has lost a billion dollars since all of this has gone down. He said, uh, I'm not feeling the love on this site today. You're talking about Twitter. That's what Dave. Dave said? Yeah. So uh, Steve got butthurt because they had a Twitter exchange. What did they say back and forth? Does it say in the article? Uh said you bailed me out melvin because he's your boy all along with citadel i think you had a strong hand in today's criminal events portnoy said so that, okay so that was, that was dave to, mm-hmm, to steve mm-hmm. so basically he's accusing yeah. dave portnoy is accusing steve cohen of being a criminal yeah. which what these fucking wall street people do is criminal yes what's up with the stock market in 2021 you know, uh, dude, I am I, too I dumb understand. to understand. Well, it's like, you know, like I, I've been into stocks. I, I like to read about it. Yeah. I've read a few books about it. I wouldn't say I'm like anything crazy with it, but like, I don't know. It seems like every, like this year, everybody gives a shit about the stock market. All well, basically what's happened is all these Redditors got together. They bought stocks that weren't doing well yeah. in order to get hedge fund managers to. And for the meme. And for the meme. 
because they did GameStop and AMC, AMC, which are those are meme stocks. Those are meme stocks. They're not going to make any money. No, GameStop almost went bankrupt last year. They were going to they've closed a bunch of stores. (laughs) You know what we should do? What? We should buy stock in fucking Guitar Center and, oh and my Sam Ash. Dude, if we bought stock in Guitar Center, that'd be so funny. Because be Guitar Center, went, they filed for bankruptcy last year. I think Sam Ash did too. So basically what happened in this story is that uh, Steve Cohen eventually quit Twitter because people started lighting him the fuck up. And he couldn't handle it. Can't handle the heat. He couldn't handle it. Even the, the baseball season hasn't even started yet. And it's starting out bad for him because yeah. he has already sexual misconduct allegations with an employee that left. And now this. He said uh, on Twitter, he said, at least you are speaking and trying to answer. That is appreciated. That's what Dave Portnoy said. He's talking about Steve Cohen. Oh, yeah, because he was trying to defend yeah. it. And then he said, uh, by the way, I don't believe Steve Cohen at all, but I have no way to prove anything. But in my experience, where there's smoke, there's usually fire. Yes. So he's basically like a hedge fund guy. Yeah. And he makes his money off of crooked shit. Yeah. Inside deals. Like like Jordan fucking Belfort and yeah. uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. The penny stocks. The penny stocks. The penny stocks. Fraud. Penny stocks it's, are for the broke man. It's only fraud if the government isn't involved. That's the lesson here. Yes. Okay. Third story. All right. Larry King, legendary talk show host, dies at 87. R.I.P., one of the all-time greats. Yes. I think he got his start down in Miami. There's a really funny video of him talking about how he used to be a radio DJ. Yeah. And there was a woman who called him at the radio station, and he wanted she wanted to fuck him. <laughs> so he put on like a 13 or 26-minute record or whatever, one side of one record that could just go. I can't remember what the rest of it is, but it's a funny Larry King story. Just look yeah. it up on YouTube. But Larry King will be missed. He is an, uh, like one of the greatest broadcasters that have ever lived. We talked about this the other night at Zach's. Dude, didn't it seem like he was old forever? Yeah. Like, it seemed like I, he was old when I was a child. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, like, I really didn't know he was still kicking, no. to be fair. Like... I knew I'd watched him like growing up, like my grandpa or whatever. I feel like he's always been eighty seven. Yeah, he's always been like old to me. So it's like he was married like seven times or some crazy shit. He's got a great voice though. Yeah, he does. Like when he talks, you know, he's just got one of those voices. He used to be a heavy smoker. He smoked like five packs a day or some shit. Really? He quit he quit, I think, over twenty years ago. It's like I could listen to Larry King talk all day, same as I can listen to like Joe Rogan talk all day. Yeah. You know. They both got that voice that's just made for like radio podcast style stuff. He will be missed. Oh, yes, definitely. So like, subscribe, check it out on YouTube if you're not already watching on YouTube. We're on all major streaming platforms. The Poptimist with Taylor Berryman now. That's what the show is renamed to, something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, give us, a, give us a like. Tell a friend. The show is growing. It's growing because of you, the listeners. This podcast is produced to you by Taylor Miller.